Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to talk about a relatively new phenomenon that makes psychological treatment accessible and affordable to most of us. It's estimated that one in four persons will suffer from anxiety disorder and one in five will experience serious depression at some point in life. Anxiety and mood disorders are among the most common causes of ill health lost productivity and inability to work. And moreover, many of those affected suffer from other physical and mental illnesses. So during the past decade, the Internet has presented new options for psychological treatment. Internet-based treatments have, have the potential to disseminate rapidly and reach patients who otherwise might not receive treatment. Concurrently, this development raises questions concerning how people might be diagnosed, which patient groups receive treatment, and what other options might be available. So today you're going to get a chance to listen to an expert in this field, Dr. Yarold Anderson. Yarold is a professor of clinical psychology at the Department of Behavior Science and Learning at Linköping University in Linköping, Sweden. Yarold has been developing and evaluating internet psychological treatment programs for 15 years in many different areas. Uh, you can read more about Yarold on his website by clicking on his name on this week's episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Remember, again, that ACT has three parts. Opening up, which in this case might be a opening up to any disturbing symptom like anxiety, which means being willing to be open and approach any sensation or thought that crops up. The second part is becoming aware, which means understanding the true nature of thoughts and sensations. Understanding that although thoughts can threaten, judge, and predict, and order you around, they're in fact just sounds and mostly not representative of the reality of the moment. And lastly, actively engaging in what, in what matters to you. Is it possible for you to engage in activities you care about together with these difficult feelings, thoughts, and sensations? Welcome, Yarold. Thank you. Now, Yarold, this is the second time you've been on this program. Yeah, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> Yarold, uh, I have known you for um, probably about 20 years, and I know that you have um, uh, been a pioneer in this in this area of using the internet uh, for psychological treatment. And I wonder what, what got you interested in this whole idea? 
Actually, it's almost a coincidence. Uh, I had two students who knocked on my door and said they wanted to do something on the internet. Mm. Uh, and I sort of picked up the, their ideas and, and off we went. Mm-hmm. Well, normally, um, you know, I'm sure you, like me as a psychologist, we don't really like to be replaced by computers. Yeah, that's true, but I, I've never viewed it in that way. I'm a trained CBT uh, clinician, and I know in my clinical work I want to help people live an independent life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if I do that by talking or uh, pr- recommending a book or staying in touch with them over phone or Internet, that's sort of only different channels to reach the same goal. That's right. Okay, so so you had the idea that you could um, help people in different ways. So this was just a di- another way rather than the face-to-face yeah. treatment. Now, I know, Gerald, you probably are one of the world experts in this field, and and um, you, I'm sure you know about the research. So how does intranet treatment compare to face-to-face therapy? Well, uh, for one thing, uh, it's, it actually means that some of the things we we engaging in therapy is really education, mm-hmm. uh, patient education. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a sad fact that all these fancy things we do in therapy are not necessarily remembered by our patients. No. <laughs> it means that using text or video or other things it could even enhance learning mm-hmm. uh, since to get the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get a practical example, someone who has suffers from social anxiety, mm-hmm. might be very anxious in the therapy situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, so by reading or taking, getting the message through text or a video could be sometimes just as good or a compliment at the very least. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing works through this idea that you can uh, get the message by learning and uh, reading or mm-hmm. uh, other sort of multimedia ways. Mm-hmm but you still have to do the real thing in real life. So it's not the computer that treats you. It's just giving you the information and the advice and the exercises, for instance, Mm -hmm. and then it's off out in real life to do, to practice. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's something, you know, I I have uh, tried this much later than you, but one thing I really have been impressed by is that um, as a therapist, we're quite limited to what we can do, Uh, but the internet is infinite, and if, if, if you think about how people learn things, like some people might learn through pictures, other through a movie yeah. or, or art, the, the, inf- the possibilities on Internet that people could find their own ways of learning a point are just so much more than what you could do as a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I do appreciate the clinical work and seeing patients, but I think these are two different ways, and they, uh, in the best of world, worlds, they should blend together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what what type of applications uh, have you developed yourself, and and what what what, what kind of um, problems do people have that they could look on internet for? Uh, as a starting point, I, I must uh, stress that I'm obviously not alone in this. I've had loads of graduate students. Psychology students, other co workers here in Sweden and uh, indeed across the world. It means that we're a group of people who engaged in this research and, uh, and the implementation of this treatment format. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, uh, I think we 
we've been sort of lucky from a researcher perspective mm-hmm. uh, uh, that we were among the first to do some things uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. like for instance treating uh, uh, a headache, uh, which was uh, the thing we started with. Uh, no one else had done that. So, uh, and as a researcher, it's always nice to be among the first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so, headache, and I know you worked. You were working with tinnitus. Yeah, since I'm a, a clinician, I worked in the, the tinnitus clinic. Uh, that was almost my second idea. You know, let's mm-hmm. try this with tinnitus as well. Uh huh. Yeah. So those are more, more can say more physical uh, problems. So what about the the psychological, more like anxiety, depression? You know, I sometimes, and for the listeners here, I, I'm always a bit embarrassed about the whole number of conditions we we work with. And again, I need to stress that I'm not alone in this. But it's basically a lot, several health conditions, but conditions like. We've done work on breast cancer, mm-hmm. uh, uh, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we mentioned just now tinnitus, uh, uh, chronic pain, several studies on that, and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we've also done a lot of studies on uh, anxiety disorders and mm-hmm. mood disorders. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, the, it's almost like the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. But what the things we haven't done is more severe uh, psychiatric conditions. And mm-hmm. I, I I really don't like to present this as uh, sort of, let's stop doing regular therapy. Now it's only the internet. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. There will always be room for therapists and this uh, a clinical meeting in the therapy room. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, like, for instance, people with some anxiety disorders, they don't seek psychiatric treatment. Mm-hmm. They do suffer on their own, and the lag between having this problem and seeking help might be 10 years or something, or even longer than that. So I think we're sort of filling a gap here. Mm -hmm. People who can benefit from psychological advice and treatment, but Mm -hmm. would not go as far as seeking it in, uh, uh, seeking help in a clinic. Okay, so Jarold, if if we have some listeners now that that maybe might be like that, that they have are experiencing some problems, say, with, uh, I don't know, anxiety or depression, and but they don't either can't afford to or don't can't get to a clinic. Um, could you give an example? Like, how, how does Internet treatment work? Yeah, uh, there are different opinions about this and different ways of doing it. Uh, one obvious choice uh, could be to have an online program that you just register and then you start working on it uh, with it on your own mm-hmm. without no clinician input or diagnosis or anything. Mm-hmm. And indeed, that's been the case in the United States, actually, because there has been some uh, issues with uh, practicing therapy across state boundaries, you know, some legal issues. Uh, Whereas in Sweden, our approach has been to uh, always guide people through the programs. Mm. So you do have your therapist who's sitting there on the other side of the, in front of another computer, Mm -hmm. uh, who will give you feedback, uh, encouragement, uh, answer questions if you wonder about something. So it's guided Mm self-help, I would like to emphasize. And that's something that's not so widely available in the United States. It is available in Sweden mm. and in some other countries, but it's, uh, yeah, there is a way to go here before it 
we can reach uh, more people. Do, do you have some examples, uh, or and uh, like one example, Yarold, about specifically um, what a program might look like? Yeah, uh, and then I would need refer people to some uh, English site or English speaking site. There is indeed an open access program that's available to everyone who just registered called Mujim that uh, comes from uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's nice and perhaps not uh, uh, as long or extensive as some of our programs, but it is freely available for all people. Just to give an example, there are uh, in the United States, uh, Ricardo Munoz and his group has a, a smoking web, no, st- quit smoking website. That's mm-hmm. also for free and then you can register. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are several examples uh, of uh, open, uh, freely available uh, websites if you want to have a glimpse on how this uh, looks like. Yeah, could you explain one of them? Like, what, how, if 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 I were to uh, look up the what what are there, for example, different steps that different modules that you? Yeah, yeah, precisely. It's uh, it uh, and our programs, for instance, would be kind of mixing uh, text-based uh, sections with uh, pictures and films. So it's module-based. So it uh, it uh, it's on a weekly basis. So mm-hmm. it's almost like doing a course. You you might start of getting to know about your problem to see if is this really correct for me, and uh, like uh, symptoms you might have help in diagnosing yourself in a sense, mm-hmm. and then uh, explanation of how the treatment might work. That would be the first week, and then you would start off by perhaps collecting data or information about uh, how things work in your own life, and then moving on to exercises, sending in those exercises to a therapist and then getting feedback uh, uh, on the outcome. So it's built almost like sort of distance learning will be a good explanation in the way we do it. Uh, Obviously, there are more interactive websites uh, which do not require any human interaction with the real human. Mm -hmm. That's not the way we usually work, but that... These are around. Uh, and uh, one example from my group, thing we've done just recently now, was that we developed a, a website for people who are in a violent relationship. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, and it was based on motivational interviewing mm-hmm. and, and a, a kind of self-assessment, uh, answering questions, getting feedback, and then by the end of the, this web page, you, you uh, ended up in a sort of pros and cons of leaving or staying, depending on what uh, level of the problem you had. Mm-hmm. That program was totally anonymous and there was no human interaction. You could do this uh, on your own. And that was the whole purpose of it, mm-hmm. that you should not uh, be able to do it uh, anonymously mm-hmm. and get uh, advice and feedback. When you say anonymously, Yarold, um I mean, there, there. When you think about hackers or people who can maybe get into, what what kind of security is there for this type of private information? Yeah, when it, in in this uh, last example here, when we did something called motivational interviewing uh, uh, over the internet, uh, we really didn't collect any personal, very little personal information, but uh, when we do 
internet treatment with guidance. Uh, it's actually very similar to when you pay your bills online. I'm sure a lot of listeners do that. They pay their bills online. Yeah. And then you probably uh, recognize that you first you have to fill in a password and then the password again and then then the password again. It, it, it's like that. So it's similar to internet banking, really. Okay. Uh, and, and that's the level of security we must have when we have sensitive information. Okay. So it's not through your old your own email like you need to work in a closed uh, environment okay okay in, uh, yeah do you have an example of a patient that you know that has um, gone through this and what it looked like uh, what how it went for the patient yeah. or how it looked well, for, like for the patient well how, how example about well, a person who who did the program and what, how it worked out you know, I'm, I'm, I'm among the persons who do research who have been extremely lucky and grateful because we've had some people who've gone through our programs and gone to the press to tell them about how well they've done. Mm -hmm. uh, things like uh, headline news, sort of, uh, the panic project saved my life, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> but it is... It, it's important when you experience things like that to be a bit humble mm -hmm. <laughs> and don't exaggerate how good this is. <laughs> this is usually as it's very often as effective as face to face therapy, actually. But it's also the case that we cannot help everyone who's, who, who seek our services. Mm -hmm. So and that's the same thing, of course, with Internet treatment. Mm -hmm. But we do have had several very, uh, uh, very successful cases with people who it's, it's basically changed their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is very uh, keeps you sort of motivated to continue working with this and develop new programs because mm -hmm. uh, I think we do fill a, a gap here uh, actually. Gerald, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, Gerald, um, now when people are, have smartphones, uh, so what is the difference for you as a researcher for thing how using the computer or the smartphone? Uh, it becomes more complicated as a researcher. Mm -hmm. uh, for one thing, this is new technology, mm -hmm. and people are using the internet way than the computers uh, when they go online. So uh, uh, it's very unpredictable and hard to know uh, well where we will end up uh, when it comes to smartphone versus computers. Yeah. Having Having said that, Joanne, mm -hmm. I think it's also very promising. We've done starting, have started to do some research on smartphone apps, mm -hmm. and uh, the results look very promising. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that one thing I, that I uh, I have a project myself using um, the smartphone, mm -hmm. and I think one thing that's very nice is that you can actually track people. So if you if they you know if, if they want to be tracked, of course, yeah. um, that you uh, you can follow them if they if they're out, for example, taking a run or a walk, uh, you can actually track them and see how fast they're walking, and you can get a map. and And I think if you compare that to a homework assignment that they come in a week later and talk about, you know, uh, taking mm. a walk, it's certainly much more reliable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's easier to figure out what happened when there's problems. Yeah, I do agree with you. It's a good point. Uh, I I think um, 
uh, this, this new technology now needs to sort of land and mm-hmm. people need to get used to that. When, In particular, I think when we start using the technology in a clever way mm-hmm. uh, without necessarily needing to interact with your phone. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing if you need to pick up your phone every hour and rate your anxiety level. That's sort of intrusion in your life. Yeah. Whereas if you, without doing anything, just carrying your phone with you, you could get some log of how much uh, physically active you've been. Yeah. Then, then that might be preferable to people. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I very much uh, look forward to see where this will take us. Yeah. And the, the uh, f- smartphones also can, they can, it- you can take your pulse. I mean, you can read a lot, quite a lot of yeah. uh, physiological data. It's true, and uh, uh, I've also been doing some research on that. And I, I'm not that convinced that the information we can get uh, in terms of pulse and you name it, that it's very useful for a treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually did the project here for the European Community where we gathered data on. Uh, Uh, something called skin conductions, which is hand sweating and yeah. some other things, and uh, and we really don't know what how should we use that data for helping us to treat people with depression better. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. still kind of a question mark. Mm-hmm. So uh, something for the future. Yeah, uh, Gerald, uh this you know this is a program about ACT. How much yeah. have you have you done programs specifically with ACT? Yes, indeed, we have. Uh, as a researcher, I need to be, I wouldn't say neutral, but at least always interested in other ways of doing therapy, trying new things, because there are people who want to have other forms of therapy. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the cognitive behavior therapy that we've started off with, we've actually done both ACT-oriented uh, cognitive behavior therapy And indeed, actually, also psychodynamic internet treatment. Oh, uh huh. And uh, which surprised us because it worked very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, returning to your question on ACT, uh, uh, I think ACT is a really useful contribution for us when we work with these somatic uh, chronic conditions like chronic pain and ringing in the ears tinnitus, which mm-hmm. we talked about the last time uh, mm-hmm. in this program. And uh, And indeed, we uh, we started off with tinnitus, for example. We started off by developing a face-to-face treatment based mm-hmm. on ACT and then uh, put it down in text and pictures and used it as an online intervention. And it worked. So how, for example, how would uh, something like uh, acceptance, how would that work on the Internet? Yeah, I guess one thing that is important to say when it comes to uh, uh, internet treatment is that everything needs to be sort of explicit. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 as a therapist, you can work with your client and you can see things that the client won't see herself or himself. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this kind of that psychodynamic people call the unconscious things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's sort of not part of the whole thing when it comes to internet treatment. Whereas the methods, the tra- strategies, the explanation uh, 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 used in ACT uh, 
uh, could very well be described and written down in words, and and even metaphors could be uh, written down in words, and let people on their own reflect and engage and uh, uh, getting on with their life based on that new knowledge and uh, insight, I would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. um we're coming to the end of the program. What yeah. advice could you give our radio radio listeners about how they could find, pick and choose an internet treatment program? Yeah, things are moving now very, very quickly. So uh, uh, at least uh, for the future, I think you can expect that your therapist, if you seek therapy or if you're a therapist yourself, you need to consider modern information technology. Mm-hmm. It's sort of ridiculous that you, in some places in the world you're not allowed to communicate uh, even with text messaging uh, with your client. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so my guess for the future is that therapy like ACT will blend in and start using parts of this new technology. So I strongly stress here, it's not either or. It's not internet treatment versus uh, seeing your therapist perhaps it's kind of mixing. So you see your therapist, but you also have contact with your therapist online or through your smartphone, whatever it is. So uh, since we're so early now in this development, I I cannot say go to this therapist because this therapist has a good website. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I guess that will be the future uh, mm-hmm. fairly soon. Okay, but if so if a person had anxiety or depression, how could they find an internet treatment? Would they just Google or how would they? Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, sort of uh, not that keen on, on that idea because I think first you need to see, uh, you probably need to seek some healthcare to get a help for, mm-hmm. to get a proper diagnosis and uh, mm-hmm. information of what condition, condition you might suffer from. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is not to say that the listeners wouldn't know. But, you know, it's so easy to just do an, an internet search and you can see the symptoms and then you might think, oh, I suffer from panic disorder. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, a, a clinician or a psychiatrist or someone might say, oh, well, uh, depend. your symptoms fit better with another description. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, so I, I do think if you have, particularly if you have serious problems like that really limits your life, I do recommend seeing a clinician. Okay. And that's how we do it when we offer these services uh, here in Sweden. You need to see a clinician before you start going with the internet treatment. Okay, okay. Thank you so much, Gerald, for being on yeah. our program today. Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Gerald Andersen. Gerald is a professor of clinical psychology at the Department of Behavior Sciences and Learning at Linköping University in Linköping, Sweden. Gerald is a pioneer in developing and evaluating Internet psychological treatments. He's been doing this for 15 years. You can read more about Gerald on his website by clicking on his name on this week's episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, 
acceptance and commitment therapy for chronic pain, values in action, and epilepsy, a behavior medicine approach to assessment and treatment in children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. 